Amen. Start off with immortal, invisible, God only wise, which is one of my favorite hymns. I know you think it's holy, 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 and when we sing it, it is my favorite hymn. But when we sing immortal, invisible, it's my favorite hymn. And then these others, you know, how great is our God and just a closer walk with Christ and days of Elijah and I will rise. I'm ready to rise, folks. I do have a sore thumb. Don't know why, it just started hurting sitting down there a while ago, and Scott saw me fiddling with it, and I said, my thumb started hurting. And he leaned over and he said, you need me to preach? So, uh, <laughs> but I told him I didn't use my thumb a whole lot in preaching, so every chance you get, Scott, I know. Boy, as, as Don prayed, this has been an uplifting service already. Just lifting our hearts and lifting our voices to God. Now I bring you the downer. <laughs> because we come to that last beatitude, which really and truly nobody likes to read. It's all right, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's all right, blessed are they that mourn. It's all right, blessed are the peacemakers, and so on and so on. But when you come to verse 10, verses 10, 11, and 12, you come to this. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You realize that every one of these beatitudes, in every single one of them, Jesus is talking about the character of the believer. He's talking about the character and the lifestyle of every believer that has Christ as Lord and Savior of their life. He's not talking about some kind of super saints. He's not talking about some sort of people who rise to the, to the status of, 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 you know, where people call them father or call them great or, call them, or even call them saint. He's talking about believers in whom the Spirit of God has done a work, a work of grace, a work of power, a work of His presence, a work that takes a, a person like you and like me and transforms us from what we were, lost in sin, rebellion against God, enslaved to sin, and sets us free in Jesus Christ. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Implies that there was bondage. Implies that there was slavery until the Spirit of God did His work. You know, we live in a day where persecution is talked about a lot. In, in our country, it's talked about a lot if people kind of laugh at you or, or don't let you do certain things you want to do or, or whatever. I could take you this morning to places around this globe where Christians are meeting together as we are, except not so openly. They are in homes with windows shades closed, and 
They don't sing robustly to their Lord like we do. They sing very reserved and very quiet for fear that someone might hear them and might report them and that the police might come charging through the door and, and if they don't kill them, at least arrest them and disperse them from doing what they are doing. We live in a world where there are places like that where I could take you where a man and a woman were murdered just seven months ago because he dared to publish Christian materials and people came into his shop and massacred him and his wife because they dared to print Christian materials. I can print anything I want to within reason. I can print anything about the gospel that I want to. I can, preach, I can preach anything about Jesus Christ that I want to. I can tell you that he is the only way, truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father by him. I can tell you that those who are caught up in, in Islam and those who are caught up in Buddhism and those who are caught up in other things that we call the great world religions are men and women who are captivated in sin and on their way to hell unless they see the truth of Jesus Christ. I can tell you that this morning. But there's some places, if I said that, I would be arrested because I'm not tolerant enough. We all know that the greatest virtue in the world today is tolerance. Just tolerate. Just let, let everybody do what they want to do. Don't try to infringe your right uh, on their rights and don't try to impose your beliefs upon them. Folks, I'm not trying to impose my beliefs upon anybody, but I want to tell you that I have to proclaim the truth. I have to proclaim what God has said, not what man wants to hear. Paul said there was coming a day when, when people wouldn't want to hear the truth. There's coming a day when, when they'll just want to have their ears tickled. And I can take you to places this morning, to churches, where that's exactly what's happening. They didn't believe what Don prayed this morning. When Don said it really is all about him. It really is all about God. I can take you to churches this morning where it's all about them. All about the people. And the pastors will tickle their ears and tickle their fancy and tell them funny things and, and just keep them very happy. And they'll leave there rejoicing, many of them, in their lost state. Many of them facing hell and damnation because they've not heard the truth, because they don't want to hear the truth, because they are, they are appalled by the truth. Just want to feel good. Well... Jesus said, here's, here's the way it is, guys. And it's interesting how he does this. This is the only beatitude. All three of those verses really make up one beatitude. We've looked at one verse, one verse, one verse up till now. And then these three really encompass one beatitude. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. And, and blessed are you. Do you see how Jesus does that? He gives you a double dose of it, if you will, a double pronouncement of this beatitude, and he starts out in the generic third person. That is right, isn't it? That's the third person. I get my English right here. Blessed are those who are persecuted. You know, you could probably imagine that the disciples sitting there listening to that and said, well, boy, it's going to be bad. Some of those people are going to be persecuted. And maybe he caught on that they didn't catch on. And he said, oh, no, 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 understand this. Blessed are you when, when people insult you and when people say things falsely against you and persecute you because of me. The 
rejoice and be glad. He does it two ways here. He says, blessed are those and blessed are you. Because you see, Jesus is saying here that persecution in the life of the true believer and persecution in the life of the true church will be a reality. I'll be honest with you, I don't like to hear that. I really like just being able to meet and be, be happy and study the word and sing our songs of praise and, and, and just let everybody think, well, that's a great church. That's a nice place. Kind of makes me wonder sometimes if those churches in the Sudan, those churches in China, those churches where people are dying for their faith, that, that man and woman in Gaza who were murdered because of their publishing of Christian material, makes me wonder if they don't understand what real Christianity is and we are still living in a cultural Christianity. I mean, we made the news this week, but only because some armed robbers ran through our parking lot and disposed of their guns here. Any publicity is good publicity, I guess. But we're not known as a church that the city hates. Well, not for the right reasons anyway. We're not known as a church that, you know, just speaks the truth so boldly and speaks the gospel so boldly that, that people say, oh, no, here, here comes the, one of those people from Grace Baptist Church. They're, they're going to tell me about the gospel. They're going to tell me about Christ. They're going to speak truth. They're going to live righteously. They're not going to to compromise. You see, it's interesting here the things that Jesus is saying, I believe, because he says that we'll be persecuted because of righteousness and be persecuted because of him. Isn't it amazing that just a few verses earlier in verse 6, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. And now he says the very thing that you as a believer hunger and thirst for will be the thing, if you are hungry and thirst for it, will be one of the main things that people will resent and will react against in your life. Now we talked about, we talked about thirsting, hunger and thirsting after righteousness. Jesus is not talking about a self-righteousness. He's not talking about a legalism. He's not talking about you going around and saying, well, listen, I don't do this and I don't do this and, and, and I don't do that and... And, you know, that's not it at all. Legalism is the opposite of righteousness. Did you know that? Legalism is the opposite of righteousness because legalism is trying to somehow earn your favor with God and trying to somehow show everybody else up that you really are what you want them to think you are. Righteousness is just learning what it means to live out the presence of Christ in your life. It's not your righteousness. It's not your goodness. It's the righteousness of Christ that you are given when you come to faith, true faith in him. The scripture says we, are, we bear his righteousness. He who had no sin became sin so that we who have no righteousness might become the very righteousness of God. You see, this righteousness that we'll be, per, we'll be persecuted for is the righteousness of living out the presence of Christ. Jesus makes that clear. He made it clear in sort of the reverse manner back in Luke's gospel, over in Luke's gospel, when he, when he made this little statement in, in Luke 6, 26. And that's not the right Luke's uh, place there. Luke 6, 26, I don't have to go there. He just said, Woe to you 
If all men speak well of you, woe to you, woe. That's a word we don't use every day, but it means accursed. You know, you're in a bad condition if all men speak well of you. Well, folks, I want people to speak well of me. You know, I have that inner drive that, that I want people to like me. I have that, that we talked about this as a truth project last week, that, that drive for significance that God has given us. But if we seek that significance other than in Christ, we seek that significance in the wrong place. But, but that drive for significance is there. It's a part of the divine imprint. But Jesus said, woe to you if all men speak well of you. They say, oh, you're just a hell and hearty guy or a really fun lady. You know, it's just, they're, they're, they just go along with the, with the crowd, do whatever. They're, they're my kind of person. Woe to you. Because you've missed the point of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. What it means to be one who bears the likeness of Christ and bears the beatitudes of Christ in their life. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, the great leader of the church, uh, Protestant Reformation, he once made the statement in talking about what is the church. He said, what, what, what comprises, not compromise, what comprises a true church? And he said, well, he was asked that question. He said, here are the things that comprise a true church. They preach the gospel. They observe the sacraments, or as we Baptists would call it, the ordinances. They practice church discipline, and they are persecuted. Luther said, persecution. Suffering was one of the true marks of the true church. Most of us today don't even want to have the third one, church discipline there. We'll say, okay, preach the gospel, observe the ordinances, that's fine. Just don't do them too often. And don't preach the gospel too long. And we'll be all right. But Luther said, no, you know, there, there's this thing about when you are living out the Christ-like life. Not in legalism, not in self-centeredness, not in self-righteousness, but when you're really desiring to, to walk in Christ, the world won't like it. Now, why is that? Well, think about it a minute. There was once a man who walked on the face of the earth who really did live out Christ's likeness perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. His name was Jesus. And you know, they didn't like that. The religious people didn't like it. The Roman authorities didn't like it. Many of the people didn't like it. They, they felt uncomfortable around him. They felt like, you know, th this is just too much. I can't attain to what he's saying and what he's doing. I just have a struggle with that. And so Jesus wanted to prepare you and me. So over in John's gospel, if you want to turn there, you can. John 15, this is what he said. He talked about how... We are, the vine, we are the branches, he's the true vine. And he talked about how we have a relationship with one another, love one another just as Christ loved us. But this is what he says about our relationship to the world. He said in verse 18, if the world hates you, now listen to this carefully. If the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would not love its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Because of this, the world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they've kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you because of my namesake, for my namesake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not, spoke, had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father's well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Jesus said, I'm the master, you're the slave. I'm the teacher, you're the pupil. You know, a, ma a slave is not greater than his master and a, a pupil is not greater than his teacher. Why would you think if, if, if they persecuted me, Jesus said, why would you think you'd get off the hook? If you are my disciple, if you are my slave, doulos in the Greek, if you are my slave, then they will persecute you also as you walk in me. Now understand, Jesus is not saying here, bless those who are persecuted for a cause. It's not, oh, I'm going to take up the cause of, of the First Amendment, and, and I'll be persecuted for that. I mean, I believe in the First Amendment. I, I appreciate the First Amendment and the Second and the Third and the rest of them. But it's not taking up a cause. It's not even the, the pro-life cause. It doesn't say, you know, blessed or... Blessed will you be if you're persecuted for the pro-life cause. You know, I'm, I'm pro-life, and I'll, I'll shout that to the end of the roof, but that's not what it means here. What Jesus is talking about here is being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Living righteously, sharing Christ, speaking the truth of who He is, what He has done, and what He commands of every living person on the face of the earth, repent and believe. But he said, you know, they're not going to do that. And those who don't want to do it, those who refuse to do it, those who are so bound up and enslaved to their sins and sin will hate you for it. Our problem today is we take it personal when they hate us for it, don't they? Don't we? We share the gospel with somebody and, and they reject it. We feel like they rejected us. Oh my, it hurt my feelings. I don't like people not listening to what I have to say and doing what I have to say. I just I won't do that again. No, Jesus said, it's not you. It's not about you. It's about the gospel. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Basically, if you say, why would people hate us? For two reasons. They find the righteousness of Christ to be distasteful. And also, they, they reject the Christ that we follow. Those are the only reasons. It has nothing to do with you. It's the righteousness of Christ that he's given to us, and it's the, 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 the Savior, the Lord that we follow. They reject and reject Completely. You know, it's, it's coming more and more. I mean, the world is being divided more and more. 
And there's going to be more and more who will hate us if we're true to the gospel. I mean, I, uh, we, in our trustee meeting, I shared this with the Wednesday night group the other night uh, after I got back from trustee meeting at Southern Seminary. One of the things Al Moeller talked about in depth was that we are probably co- the, part of the things facing the seminary. It's also facing the church is that we're coming to a day where there's going to be more and more pressure upon the church. And cultural Christianity is going to be harder and harder to follow. And we're probably going to discover we're not as many as we thought we were. Because people will run from that who aren't truly trusting Christ and truly walking in Christ. I mean, Paul's prayer in, in Philippians, when we look, went through Philippians, we looked at this somewhat in depth. But, and you can find that on the website if you want to look at what we talked about there. But in verse 10 of chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul said, this is my this is my." Burden, this is my goal, this is my ambition in life, that I may know Him, that is Christ Jesus, that I may know Jesus Christ and the power of His resurrection. That's good. We'd all like to have the power of His resurrection. That's the same power that God used to speak the world in existence. Let there be light, and there was light, and He created everything by the very word of His mouth. And then at that, on that, that night on that first Easter morning when we know Jesus was in the grave and in the tomb, the word of God, the voice of God said, Jesus, come forth, and the power of his resurrection rolled away the stone, and he came forth. He who was dead is now alive again, and we like that kind of stuff. Lord, give me that kind of power. And then he said, <laughs> that I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul prayed to experience the fellowship of his sufferings. A strange prayer. Not really if you realize that Jesus said in the beatitude, this final beatitude, blessed are are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Paul said, I know that's a part of the Christian life. He told Timothy in 2 Timothy, he said in 2 Timothy 3.12, he said, listen, all who desire to live godly will be honored, will be lifted up, will be praised by the masses. Is that what he said? You're looking at me like you don't know. No, all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. Not my words. Paul's words, the Holy Spirit's words, Jesus' words. So what do we do? Do we go out tonight, maybe tomorrow, wherever we work, and we say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some really bold things so people are persecuting me. No, I don't think so. You don't have to hunt persecution if you're in Christ. You don't have to hunt it down. You don't have to try to find it. You don't have to try to do something to get it. If you're walking in his righteousness, clothed in his righteousness, if you're just speaking the truth about who he is. You know, some some of the greatest persecution that I can relate to in my own life came, and some of you know this, came because of exalting the person and the power and the greatness of God. And and people don't like that. They want a manageable God. 
People don't mind you talking about God as long as it's this God in a box over here that they can just kind of pet every now and then and say, oh, I like God. But when you talk about the mighty God of the universe who when he speaks, you tremble in fear, even you who belong to him because he has the power of life and death. He has a power of, of eternal, uh, eternal matters. And, and when he speaks, there's a roar of his voice, not a timid voice. When you talk about a God who is just as wrathful as he is love, that wrath is just as much a part of his character and his, his being as love is, no, no, we want a God who is all love. You know, we want a God who just says, oh, I love you so much, do whatever you want to do. We want a permissive parent is what we want. But if you look at what happens in most households where there are permissive parents who just say, go do whatever you want to do, the outcome of the children is not very good. Neither is it in the family of God. God says to us, oh, listen, it's all right, no big deal. What is sin? Who cares about it? Just go do whatever you want to do. No. We wouldn't turn out very well. Jesus said when, when a person's really in Christ, they are clothed with, filled with become the very righteousness of Jesus Christ wow you get that when a person is really in Christ they, they know his righteousness they experience his righteousness and they live in his righteousness and they speak the name of Christ not as a, not as a slang word not as a exclamation point his Messiah as Redeemer as the sacrifice as the Lamb of God as the only one who is sufficient and efficient to protect me and to save me and to bless me you know he said here, blessed are those who have been persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you and people insult you and persecute you and say all, my, all kind of things of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. Even as I prayed this morning in the pastoral prayer, we may lose it all here. We may not have anything here because of Christ. But our reward is not here. Our home is not here. Our kingdom is not here. Great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. In the presence of God. He said, listen, if they persecute you, if they speak evil against you, if they insult you... <laughs> He did the same thing to the prophets. Why? Because the prophets spoke the truth of Almighty God. It's the only reason. They spoke the truth of God. They didn't compromise. They didn't back down. So much so that some of the kings didn't want to hear the prophets because they didn't ever say anything good about them. Didn't ever tell them how great they were going to be. 
told them there's going to be judgment on the land. And so they said, I don't want to hear that prophet. Just keep him out of the way. You know, we're that way sometimes, aren't we? To hear the truth is sometimes hard. Sometimes difficult. But always necessary. Always necessary. Now, I don't want you running out this afternoon trying to find somebody to persecute you. But I do hope that because the person of Christ is so real in your life, that His righteousness will begin to be reflected through you. And that there will be people who will just hate that. There will be people who, because they see Christ as your Lord, as the most important person, thing at all in your life, that he's so important, he's preeminent, he's first place, that they will insult you. Just so you can learn to not take it personally. Just so you can learn it's not about you, folks. It's not about me. It's about him who lives and who reigns forever and ever. Well, I'd love to go back to Psalm 27 that I had Todd read, but I'm not going to do that right now. We may stay in the Beatitudes one more week. I don't know yet, but it's so important to realize that Psalm 27 is talking about the same thing Jesus is talking about here, but David is praying, Lord, you are my protection. You are my guard. You are all I need. And so I'll wait upon you. I will wait upon you. Let's pray together. Father, what a mighty God you are. What a mighty Lord. What a mighty Savior. What a mighty King. And Lord, we bow before you this morning, acknowledging that we don't really know anything about persecution. Not like the Sudan Christians, not like Chinese Christians, not like Gaza Christians, and Egypt Christians, Christians in Turkey, and Christians in Iran, Christians in Iraq, Christians in Afghanistan and Pakistan and India. Lord, even Christians in some of those countries we would call more progressive, like France and England, Spain. Christians, especially Christians that want to walk in righteousness, Lord, no matter where they are, even in America. There'll be an aversion. There'll be a hatred. Because if they hated you first, they're going to hate us. That's tough truth. It's hard truth. But that's true truth. Help us, Lord, as individual Christians to abide in you. And in you alone.
Father, I pray for men and women who are here this morning who perhaps don't even know you. I pray your Holy Spirit will move in their heart and their life, and Lord, that you will just strip away every defense. Strip away everything that stands in the way. Lord, break their will. Bring them to faith in Christ. I pray that today, Lord. Pray for others that are here this morning. and Father, they're just struggling. They don't know if they know. Lord, I pray that they would come and receive counsel from me or one of the staff or one of the deacons. and Lord, to, to be guided just an assurance or a lack of assurance that would lead to salvation in their life. Whatever you're doing, Lord. Father, I pray for others whom you're leading to be a part of this church family. Just make that clear to them today. and Lord, have them contact one of the pastors or myself and let's talk about it. And Father, we want to be what you've called us to be. We want to be the church not another club the church of Jesus Christ in this place in this city for your glory not ours we pray in Jesus name